Welcome. Welcome to University Chapel. It's great to have you. It's great to see many faces, not new faces. Um, today, I will ask you to hold in your hearts and hold in your mind and pray for the unity of the American people and for the safety and relief of Puerto Rico. And let our prayers be a prelude to our actions. Amen. In the presence of a gracious God, we gather, God who lives and loves for each one of us, God who meets us here today as we worship. Blessed be the name of God. In thanksgiving, let us bless God for his great goodness. In contrition, let us confess the ways we have turned from him. For the beauty of the earth in which we live, for trees, for the air we breathe, and for the flesh flowing water. Thank you, Lord. For our misuse of creation. Forgive us, Lord. For the relationships we have, we have from you, for the people we love, and those who stretch us, stretch us to be better than we are. Thank you, Lord. For our anger, our outburst, and hostility. Forgive us, Lord. For this opportunity to worship you. Thank you, Lord. For missed opportunities to serve you through our neighbor. Forgive us, Lord. Open our hearts and minds to your spirit this morning and evermore. Good morning. Today's reading is from the book of the prophet Amos, chapter 5. The one who made the Pleiades and Orion, and turns deep darkness into the morning, and darkens the day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea, and pours them out on the surface of the earth, the Lord is his name. Seek good and not evil, that you may live, and so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you just as you have said. Hate evil and love good, and establish justice in the gate. It will be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Oremos, let us pray. Ven, Consolador Celestial, y Espíritu de la Verdad, que estás presente en todas partes y llenas todas las cosas. Tresoro de bendiciones y dador de vida, ven y haz tu morada en nosotros. Come, Heavenly Comforter and Spirit of Truth, blowing everywhere and filling all things. Treasury of blessings, giver of life, come and abide with us. For if you are with us, God, then nothing else matters. And if you are not, then certainly nothing else matters. Amen. I don't know if you saw it floating around the internet, but way back in June, the Huffington Post published an opinion piece by a young woman 
named Kayla Chadwick. Her article was titled, I don't know how to explain to you that you should care about other people. In her column, Chadwick expresses her exasperation and fear of the waning compassion and the growth of complacency that she has witnessed within the bounds of our contemporary society. She suggests that this is particularly so in the case of the economically disparaged and other oppressed minorities. Now, it would seem that she shares these feelings with a great many people as the column quickly went viral. So much so did her article resonate that the phrase, I don't know how to explain to you that you should care about other people, has become a meme in and of itself. When I first read Chadwick's column, I could not help but think of the writings of the prophet Amos. Amos, a prophet of the Most High God, a humble shepherd from the land of Tekoa. He was active for a mere five years. That's really all the information that we have on the man. But what's certain is that God chose him for a mighty task. Amos prophesied during a period of peace and prosperity for the northern kingdom of Israel. Though history often shows us that times of prosperity realistically translates to prosperity for some and disparity for most. This was the case in those days. The rich were getting richer and the poor were getting poorer. The wealthy elite carried most of the voice in that society. In times of false prophets, it was time, a time of false prophets and a time of rogue leaders. It was a time when the vulnerable were being blamed for the nation's problems. And I wonder if any of this sounds familiar to you. The second chapter from the book of Amos says, for three transgressions of Israel, no four, I'm not going to forget about it. They sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and push out the afflicted out of the way. Father and son go into the same girl so that my holy name is profaned. They lay themselves down beside every halt beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. And in the house of their God, they drink wine, bought with fines they imposed. God says, no way. This ends here and it ends now. So he raises up this farm boy from the land of Tekoa, which no one knows where it is, to cry out loud and decisively, no more to this. And if you thought you were going to get off the hook because you've never sold the righteous for a pair of sandals, you can think again. The entire sixth chapter of the prophet's writings thwart any and all complacency which I am guilty of myself in the face of the aforementioned sins. All you are who are at ease, he says. 
In the seventh chapter of the prophet Amos, he pronounces God's judgment upon Israel. For Israel's sins, surely this nation will perish by locusts, fire, and insurrection. Yikes, people. Suffice to say, the writings of Amos are not exactly bedside reading. They are violent and they are challenging. They're cringy. At least I find them to be that way. I don't know about you, but it's very easy for me to become discouraged when I look at the state of the society in which we live. I grew up in a small city just south of Irvine, California. It's only one of about 187 cities in the United States where it is now effectively illegal to be homeless. This is all in spite of a lack of affordable housing and emergency shelter. Communities are implementing laws that ban homeless residents from sitting or lying down in public, loitering, sleeping in vehicles, or begging for food and money. Just a few miles north of my hometown, along the Santa Ana River, police raids are regularly performed on the local homeless encampment. And yet Anaheim shelters are overcrowded and charities face a dire lack of funding from local governments. Where, I ask, is all the compassion in that? Two hours east of Thousand Oaks lies the Adelanto Detention Center, a privatized facility operated by the GEO Group, which is the largest privatized prison corporation. It is the center used to house ICE detainees from the greater Los Angeles area awaiting deportation. This summer, at least three detainees died at the hands of their neglectful medical staff. Their names did not make the news. They were Vincente Caceres Maradiaga, age 46, Osmar Epifiano Gonzalez Gadba, age 32, and Sergio Alonso Lopez, age unknown. Where is the compassion? the plight of the immigrant. When one of our colleagues finds his spirit so neglected, that yearning for some sort of community, any form of community, and he finds it in a group of white supremacists, where was our love for our neighbor? Why did four years pass without us telling him that he did not need to go looking for love? It was already here. Like Kayla Chadwick, I find myself exhausted. That these issues are things that we need to vote on or debate or erase from our memory suggests not that there is a political divide in this country right now, but that there is a serious lack of love. How do I teach you that you should care about other people? As much as it may seem that these 
are the days the likes of which we have not seen before. The reality is that we have, just in other ways. Such was the case in the days of Amos. And he gives us a hint for how to handle such times. Actually, it's the same hint that many of the prophets give us. Return to the Lord. Return to the Lord your God. Return to the love of God. I think that what our society needs right now is a hearty dose of moral revolution based in love, and specifically God's love. I think that such change will begin in these pews that you're sitting in right now. I believe that the first step for us is to sit with people and to listen to the pains that they experience. Though we cannot ever attempt to know those pains ourselves, we can try our hardest to understand, and we can be a voice when others cannot speak. I'm going to leave you with a story the year was 1984. Two things were happening in England at the time. The first, the height of the AIDS epidemic. Just two years before, the first victim of HIV AIDS in England died in a hospital. After that, many more Figures died, people died. I can't give you numbers right now. The other thing that was happening were the mine strikes, the great mine strikes, which many of you may remember. When the Thatcherian government voted to close several of the collieries uh, in England, in fact, a majority of them, which displaced a great number of workers. A young man in London by the name of Danny, who was an activist at the time, saw the need for someone to listen to the stories of these miners. Danny was a community organizer in the LGBT community and thanks to his works, he was able to organize a multinational movement. For mine worker relief. He raised money, he invited miners and LGBT folk to get together to listen to one another Two oppressed communities that had nothing in common. At first, it didn't really work out. On both sides, there were preconceived notions of the other. And yet, thanks to the organization's work, many towns were relieved. 
economically, spiritually, even physically. The London pride of that year. Can you imagine who was at the first deployed group in support of the LGBT folk? It was the mine labor unions. Friends, to love God is to love one another. And to love one another is to love God. Amen. Lord, we thank you for these moments of spiritual, spiritual Sabbath. As you dismiss us into the world, teach us and remind us once and again that to love our neighbor is to love you. Remind us of your call to be active participants in your love rather than bystanders. Amen. Amen.